two games this week. We'll start with Tuesday night in Stockport. Tim would like to complain about throw-ins. No, they're quite good. Goal scorers. No, we have them too. How about how we always bottle big games then? James Lindsay calls it an awesome result and performance. This just keeps getting better. Callum Sesford says performances don't get any better than that. Dylan labels it one of the best team performances he's ever seen. We never looked under any threat. Chris Mason said nobody stopped running. We won every first and second ball. Ben Benson echoing that. No one slacked off. Nobody let anyone else down. Paul Gregory said once again the team showed that their character is immense. Neil Hulse says we have a bunch of players that care as much as we do about our club. Danny Phillips says we did to them what teams do to us. Aggressive in their faces, stop them playing their football. Eddie O'Grady thought we blew them to pieces. A phrase Tom Mail also uses, adding nobody was below a 9 out of 10 tonight. Andy and H. Robinson both call it one of the best wins they've ever seen for the Alex. We Are Crew says best win in five years. Kev O'Connell says from front to back on the pitch, the dugout and the support, all of it was first class. Jacob says it was a perfectly executed plan by every single player. Jonathan Dick calls it a statement win with Holacek offered turns Mickey, Rio and CBR all superb. Henry Lewis says Mickey, Rio and Osterfield deserve massive credit. He can't remember us ever taking it to a team like that. Joe says Holacek, wow, turns, wow, Mickey, wow. Andrew Bamforth calls it a real coming of age for Billington, Holacek and Osterfield. And Trev says if every player you have is better than their opponent, these are the rewards. Graham Miles says Bell's tactics were spot on with two strikers, 3-1 flattered Stockport. Grant focuses on Nick Powell. We struggled first half, adapted and put him out of the game in the second. Ryan Hayward says tonight the torch was passed from Powell to Holicek. Joe Goddard says Holicek was like a seasoned pro, driving the players on to win the ball up the pitch. James says the fans were rewarded for their performances in the stands this season. Chris Thompson has had worse Tuesday nights. Adam Clawley, sensational. Danny says it was pretty decent. Dave Gallagher says we might, might just do this. Liam says to be in contention at this stage is a fantastic achievement. On to Saturday and a nil-nil draw against Harrogate. Brad Budden left with it feeling like a loss, but results have gone our way. Ali says when you get a result against Stockport, then you have to back it up. And that's the big difference between top three and playoffs. Luke thought first half was poor, second half was brilliant. Harrogate were awful. We have a chance now to practice crosses before Saturday. Ben Guilford personally thought that Crew did everything but score. They nullified his first half, but second, we just didn't have any luck. Steve Thomas thought Harrogate getting battered midweek was not going to help us, and they made sure they weren't going to concede. Andy Priest says this was always bound to happen after Tuesday's Lord Mayor's show. Richie describes it as the most predictable scoreline in our history. Alex Ford wants everyone to stay calm with three points off top and we've just taken four points off Stockport and Harrogate. Gresty Road Ender says this team is now hard to beat. I'm optimistic we'll have enough points to celebrate in April. Andy O'Neill called it a solid week's work. Another point, another clean sheet. And with Kirk's chance, CBR hitting the bar, it should have been 1-0. Jay Hodson says it wasn't for the lack of trying in the second half but against the lesser teams in this league recently. We just don't seem to be able to kill games off. Pete left frustrated, but overall a decent week. Bring on knots.
Hello, welcome back to the latest episode of the Railway Men podcast. We have got two games this week. The away victory over Stockport and the home draw to Harrogate. To go through those games, today's panel is Aaron Lewis. Hello, Aaron. Hello. Darren Stevens. Hello, Darren. Hello. And Richard Judson. Hello, Richard. Hello there. Right, let's start with Stockport then. Aaron, um, make, making the little trip up north into Greater Manchester. Uh, how confident were you going into this game? Um. I'll be honest, I was um, relatively confident, I thought, up until I saw some people messages and particularly yourself. I know you said on the podcast last week you were aiming for a 3 nil. So uh, I thought I wasn't quite at that level of confidence. I thought we could easily go in there and take something from the game, I think was my aim. Uh, Pre-kickoff, at least, anyway. Um, I think I said to, uh, I said to a couple of friends came up with us um, who are not normal crew fans as well? I think we'd we'd got tickets, so uh, we 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 would have gone up. And um, I said to him, I think I think we can we can get something from them. And then, like you say, the the when the teams came out as well, I was a little bit more apprehensive then. Uh, a couple of things, that Aaron. Firstly, thank you for so quickly getting my prediction mentioned in the podcast from last week. Three nil, three one. You know what's what's in a goal. Uh, and secondly, my question would be, what is a normal crew fan if your friends were not them? Um, Richard, I um, I was confident of getting a result at Stockport. I didn't think we'd given them a proper game since they'd been uh, promoted back into the, the league. But then the teams came out. We had six subs because Connor Thomas had dropped out and they had started Nick Powell and all these other players. And I, I did feel my confidence dropped a little bit when I sort of put the 11 against the 11. How were you feeling? Yeah, I mean, I was probably the opposite to Aaron, to be honest, Stu. I wasn't overly confident at all. I thought, um, I kind of rated Stockport. I thought they were, you know, a good, one of the best teams, obviously, to come here. And I thought it'd be a similar game, really. I didn't think we'd, I thought we'd sit back and try and do what we did against Mansfield, play them on the counter. But um, so I, I predicted kind of a 2 0, you know, low scoring Stockport win. And as I say, when you looked at the teams and our bench, I mean, they had a full bench didn't they, of probably decent talent. And we had six on the bench. One of them is a 39-year-old keeper who hasn't played for years. Charlie Kirk, who's barely kicked a ball in months. A first-year scholar in Calamatius. And Cooney got roasted against Crawley the week before. So you're thinking, ah. But uh, no, how wrong was I the way it turned out? Yeah, let's get into the game then, Darren. Um, I thought we started off very well immediately from kickoff and I thought hang on we we could be in for something here what were your thoughts watching in the stadium no I think that's right I think we were right at it right from the first minute and uh it turned out that it, it you know ended up sort of being a complete performance but I think it was the fact that we started so well um it looked like there was fantastic sort of desire in the team um there was a real sense of purpose they knew what they were trying to do and of course, very early on, there was that chance, wasn't there, that fell to um, Baker Richardson. I think it came from that um, free kick um, from the right-hand side. And um, it, it, if you remember, it went to Demetrio and the ball went in. It bounced off uh, Baker Richardson's knees and then the goalkeeper saved it. So, as you say, fantastic start. It's really set the tone, I think, for the rest of the night. 
Yeah, that was, you know, a pretty good chance for CBR. Uh, and I think we might be getting on to his finishing um, as we talk about the two games from this week. I did think he probably should have done well with that, but it was a good save. But then, Aaron, we didn't really have to wait that long for a, for a crew goal. It turns out as well that crew, this crew at least, they're quite good at set pieces. Yeah, it um, something that became... I mean, it was it, it's one thing that we we kind of had it earlier on in the season. I noticed, but then when you lose players like uh, Tabner and Powell, you think we we might not quite be as at it on the set pieces. But um, I mean, we were we were lethal with them on on Tuesday night, particularly. It felt like every time we had anything that, that we had a, a decent chance of like you know getting a goal from it. Um, but particularly that that early one, um, something that seemed quite fruitful throughout the night was like you say that that ball over again uh, i think it initially comes off Dimitriou. he gets the the touch on it first and then comes down to ed turns he's then pro- turned provider and uh just kind of knocks it back in and and mickey stabs it home basically from from not very far out it was a great little bit of uh, interplay between the two of them i guess you could say as well i just say i think if you i listen to um Stockport manager after yesterday's game and he was talking about a lack of desire and I think what got us that first goal was the desire um, you know, turns, knocking it back into Demetrio and then him managing to get in front of those Stockport players with his right foot and slide it in it's those little margins isn't it and there was just that real desire really I thought and it, that, that goal epitomised that and maybe it was one of the differences on the night between the two teams It's interesting, I hadn't, I hadn't heard uh the manager say that I presume that's after after Saturday's game you mentioned there, Darren. Yes. But um it's it, it's interesting that he picked up on that because I thought that that was basically their night. I mean we, we might get onto it here now, but short of 10, 15 minutes after we scored that first goal where they did seem to be kind of coming back at us a little bit. Throughout the rest of that game, I really thought that they just just didn't seem to want it as much. It's I know it feels like a bit of an old football cliche a little bit, but it felt to me like Stockport just didn't want to win the game as much as our players wanted to win the game. That's really, like I say, what it came, kind of came down to a lot of it. I think it's a good point you both make. Um, and it's something that I picked up. Uh, there's a video of the goal from next, like behind the goal where it scored sort of an alternative angle. And it's got the crew players celebrating. And, you know, at risk of talking about how great assigning Mickey Dimitriou has been, um, you can see his celebration with everybody epitomizes that determination, that desire to win, not just for himself, but getting the whole team around him from doing that. You know, he has hugs for everyone. And then Aaron Rowe comes in later because he's the one that's taken the free kick and he gets an extra special big hug from Mickey. And it's just, it's everything that I love about this football team, I think summed up there. Um, and it, I, I do at the, at the risk of just repeating myself. I think it all stems from him and bringing in that type of player that Liebel did in the summer. Yeah. I mean, I noticed Demetria was in one of the teams of the week. And I, and at first you think, well, how do you pick out one of the players from that team? But then when you watch some of the highlights back, you suddenly realise what an absolutely fantastic game he had. I know we said it countless times, but, you know, you've got the leadership, you've got the, def- the defensive attributes in that game. And then you've got, he popped up in so many of the um, forward plays as well. You know, the cross for Baker Richardson, that chance. You know, the goal, there was the assist for the turns goal, wasn't it? And said, wherever you looked, it is an absolutely monumental performance by Demetrio within a team, all of which played well. You know, it was, it was incredible. 
Yeah, I mean, I've I've looked up because he he's he's a standout, isn't he? Every week, he's kind of got the man of the match award sewn up, hasn't he? I could, Mercurial Mickey, I've christened him after that. But he's I looked into. I went on. This is how sad I am. I went on Wikipedia to have a look at his stats, and he was six years at Newport. How on earth could anybody not find him there? You know, we've been incredibly lucky to get him, and credit to the. Um, recruitment team. We played 258 games for Newport, scoring 26 goals. I mean, he's got eight already and 30-odd for us, but how on earth did nobody see him? He's just... He's a brilliant defender. And it's like you said, Darren, this, well, I know we'll probably get on to it, but he, he, he put a lovely cross in with his left foot for turns his second goal at Stockport, and he does this regular whipping crosses in, and then not to mention his long throws. I mean, you know, the guy's just, he's up there, isn't he, as one of the best already. Yeah, I agree. Uh, how he's ended up at Crew uh, is beyond me. But you, like you say, six years at Newport and no one picks him up from there. And then even when we spoke to Newport fans in the summer and said, oh, what's he like? They were like, yeah, he's pretty good. Like they gave us good references, but there was nothing like he's the best footballer in the history of football. Like they, there was nothing like that, which, you know, it is, it's me possibly being hyperbolic, but, you know, um, I think it, it, he's absolutely got player of the season sewn up. And I've made this point, I think, probably last week. It's such a shame for players like Rio, who have had fantastic seasons. But I don't think he's going to get a look in because it has to be Mickey. It is an odd one. And like you say, I wonder if a lot of the times, you know, when a, when a player comes to a, a new team or whatever, half the time you see that sometimes it doesn't quite as work as well due to personal circumstances or whatever. I mean, emblematic of that, I guess, would be like Charlie Kirk when he's gone to Charlton. Obviously, it's just not worked for him there. Um, but we seem to have got the opposite of that with Mickey, where somehow he's now on his like career best. I, I assume so anyway. I mean, sure, maybe Newport fans could tell me I'm wrong. But from everything we've just said here, I think, like you say, it's he's just playing his best football. He's the leader because he's the sort of elder statesman in the, in the dressing room now. Um, and he seems to taken out to everything like a duck to water, really. Yeah, I don't want to turn this whole podcast into a, a chat about hugs, but if we sort of jump to the end of the, the game, I left I follow on. I don't normally do that. Normally when the game finishes, I follow goes off on the on the whistle. Uh, I left on because I want to watch the, the celebrations at the end of the game. Um, the hug that him and Lee Bell give each other, it's, it's a big hug. That's all I'll say. You know, there's definitely respect between the two of them there. Um, and long may it continue. Uh, we should probably talk, though, about the football because it was superb. Uh, Richard, there was one little moment that wasn't superb, though, and that was Stockport's equaliser. I'd sort of been expecting them to push us back a little bit after we scored so early, and I expected them to come at us, and they didn't really. And then I was quite disappointed in the way they did actually manage to equalise. Yeah, I'm the same. I was thinking, well, Stockport are going to improve sooner or later. I mean, I was... Again, I was watching it on iFollow, one particularly good stream, and their co their commentators, to be fair, were very good, actually. They had a guy from Manchester Evening News on who was quite good, and he he was mentioning that Nick Powell was getting into the game. He was, I think he said, oh, Nick Powell's taking this game by the scruff of the neck, and he's starting to get a bit worried then, because we all know what Nick Powell can do. Um, then Osterfield put the ball out needlessly, didn't he, really? And then he took a throw in, and then Powell just slipped it threw up a, a cracking ball, to be fair. And then, obviously, the guy squared it back and he tapped it in completely against the run of play. And you're thinking, all right, OK, reality's resuming. It's 1-1 and Stockport are going to get going. But 
it didn't really happen like that, to be honest, did it? Um, half time came, and then they brought, you're still thinking Stockport are going to get better. They bring three subs on off the bench, all decent quality, and you're thinking, okay, they'll come good again. But they never did, and and you know that was the thing. It was credit to the Alex because Dave Challenger must have changed the formation for Stockport in that game about certainly twice, maybe three or four times to counter whatever the Alex were doing. But whatever he did never worked. Um, so again, credit to you know Lee Bell and Dicker because he always said you've got a plan for every game, and what well, it, it worked again. I'll say on the I'm not that I'm like going to harp on about your three 0 prediction against you, but for their goal, it looked offside to me, and we were we were right down in that corner, um, sort of where almost you know in line with the the play effectively there, and uh, whilst I think it was possibly the best officiated League Two game I've watched all year because I didn't really see too much else that I, I disagreed with. I did disagree with that one. I think it, it did look offside as the, the ball came. And there is a question then of like, would it have gone in if he didn't actually tap it in anyway? Was it a little bit needless perhaps? But um but yeah, that was that was my only gripe. So I think it could have could have been a three nil Stu. Thank you. I appreciate that again. Uh, I did think it was offside as well. Um, I messaged and uh, Mr. Orani got back to me with a picture of basically in line of where that ball would have been played or where he was, where he would have been when that ball was played. And he said it was definitely offside, but it would be um, a little bit trite of us to complain about referees when we've got so much else we can talk about from this game. If you do want to listen to someone complaining about the referee from that game, I would recommend the Stockport podcast because they did not agree with your opinion, Aaron, that that was a good referee performance or performances, we should say, because there was two of them. Um, right, Darren, I'll come back to you. Um, second goal. It's again a case of the centre-backs helping each other. I think Turns got the assist for Dimitri, Dimitrius and then they return the favour the other way around for goal number two. Yeah, it's a wonderful symmetry. It's nice when you look at like the BBC website and you see the two goal scorers and then it's in reverse for the two assists and so for the two centre-backs to, to have done that. And coming coming back to Mickey at the risk of talking about the same thing, you know, it was Rio that uh, took the corner and if you remember, it was Mickey that did that... Um, Back header back to Rio, who then played it to Mickey, and then you've got that characteristic sort of left foot cross um, from from Mickey, and turns gets in front of the defender and heads it home. And again, it's that desire, I think, to get in front of the um, Stockport defenders. So, in some ways, quite a simple goal, but epitomised a lot of good things that we've seen throughout the season and on that night. And what a great partnership, you know, turns and and Dimitrio. Uh, uh, developing and I think a bit like you said earlier Stuart the respect between Lee Bell and Nicky I think there's mutual respect between Turns and Demetria I think because of the age difference and the different stages that they're at in their careers when you watch them interact you can see the mutual respect you know between the older player and the younger they're both leaders um, and um, I think that's a, developed instantly into a great into a great partnership if, um, Aaron, if Mickey is the signing of the season, which I don't know if there'd be much uh, dispute about that, despite the fact we have signed some very good players this year, after four games, can we say Ed Turns is the lone signing of the season? Again, there's some tough competition there. Yeah, it's it's a tough one. I mean, um, we have we have had some good players in, but he's, he's some player, isn't he, Ed Turns? He's one of them, I'm, you know... I'm not quite sure what's going on. Obviously, the Leighton Orient fans seemed really pleased with everything he 
did for him last year. But then they've had him back for the first half of this year and he's, he's not played as much. I don't know if he's had an injury issue. I know he's just kind of fallen behind in the pecking order a little bit. Um, so I'm not I'm not 100% sure there, but he looks like he could easily be a, a League One centre-half playing him week in, week out. So, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not too sure what's gone on there, but he, he's fantastic. He's clearly, like you say, a cut above at this level. And uh, and I think we now need to keep Brighton on side, I think, is my takeaway from this. After the player we had in last season as well and, and the player we've got in this season on loan, we, we need to keep them sweet and keep that pipeline of any players they'd want to, uh, to loan out coming to us, I think. Must have a lot of centre halves, Brighton, mustn't he? Because he wanted Zach Williams, didn't he, the other year, and uh, when he nearly went. But I think he said he'd be about seventh choice centre half or something if he'd went there. So they must have rather a lot of centre halves, Brighton. But well, you're right, Aaron. I mean, what happened to him at Leighton Orient? Ed turns. I mean, crikey, you've got to think of how good's how good are their centre halves at Leighton Orient? Then if he can't break into the team. I don't think he played Daddy since November or something for them. I know, obviously, Omar Beckles is generally one of their centre halves, but I don't know who the other is. But there must be some players to keep him out of the team. Okay, uh, we'll go into the second half then. Um, and after just saying, maybe turns is the loan signing of the season after four games. One loan signing that I was a little bit critical of a couple of weeks ago on the pod. And I will say now, I think he's had an excellent week. I know we're talking about Stockport, but we'll talk about Harrogate later. And I'll just say now, Josh Osterfield, I think the last week, the two games he's played um, were superb. And Richard, not bad first ever professional goal for him to get um, on the 51st minute either. No, it was a lovely strike, wasn't it? off was it a corner came back to him and he just well he just leathered it didn't he it was a lovely strike flew in keeper had no chance he'd had a shot to be honest in the first half hadn't he that I thought he could have perhaps hit it similar but it went the uh, he put it the wrong side of the post when I think he perhaps should have done a bit better with that but he has you're right Stu he's had a cracking week he had a great performance yesterday I mean physically he's got all the attributes hasn't he he's quite a big lad hasn't he he's got quick feet as well and he can um, he can certainly play, um, but as you say, he's, he has had a good week and he's coming into his own. But it, it does take him a few games, doesn't it? I mean, Joe White didn't hit the ground running, did he? And then obviously, the more he played, the better he got. Um, but no, no, it was it was a cracking strike and three one, and then we're you know, well at the time you don't think we're home and dry because it's the Alex, isn't it? But it was looking quite comfortable, wasn't it? Yeah, I've got a little WhatsApp group uh, of friends from Holmes Chapel that used to go and watch crew together. Um, it was very busy on Tuesday night in that WhatsApp group. Uh, one of my friends said, I found a stream, Stockport or rubbish. Uh, he was completely shot down with like, what are you doing? You can't say things like this whilst the game's going on. But I'll be honest, Darren, it, I don't think we really allowed them to be anything other than poor on the night. I, I do think they're a good team, but I think crew were so good on the night that we just stopped them. We nullified them. I couldn't agree more because I think from the Stockport perspective, you know, they, they clearly didn't play well and their manager was uh, less than impressed and they followed that up with a heavy defeat yesterday. But I, I actually think on Tuesday it was it was because of the way Crew played. Uh, so Stockport might have played poorly, but I really think it was because of the way that Crew set out. Um, not They didn't just play well. They came with a purpose. They came with a plan incredible desire, leaders all over the pitch. 
And you don't very often with crews see a performance that goes from the first minute to, I think it was in this case, the 106th minute, if you include the stoppage for the referee. Um, apart from that, which was a poor goal to concede, and Ryan Dicker was punching the ground almost when Osterfield kicked the ball out. But um, apart from that one minute, it was absolutely, and they never looked like they were going to get back in. In fact, they virtually gave up Stockport. You know, there, there was there was very rarely for crew there was almost no chance of us losing that uh, that lead. Yeah, the guy, the co-commentator said it's just like you said, Darren. Really, he said he said he could have blown the whistle half an hour before it actually finished because he said there was no way Stockport were ever going to threaten in that game, and that that really summed it up to me, to be honest. One thing I'll say as well is I know we, we kind of just saying about the the third goal in particular. It was the one. I had the best view of because there was no scaffolding in the way for this one. Um, but it has now set up uh, Osterfield for at least for the rest of his loan, for because the way he struck it, the way he kept it down, you know, it was a, from any from distance of any time he gets the ball 20, 25 yards out, the whole ground is just going to be yelling for him to shoot. That's just going to be the rest of the loan now. He's going to have to get used to that. I'm afraid. If he hits them like that, I'm all for it. Um, Aaron, I'm going to descend to. He played well now, didn't he? Um, I've got a few for you to choose from. We've talked about Mickey. We've talked about Turns. We've talked about Osterfield. That's three of them. But I've got a long list of other ones. Uh, who do you want to start with? Holacek or Luke Offord? Holacek would have been the one I was going to bring up, I think. Um, I thought he was I thought he was fantastic on Tuesday. Um, and he's, he's not a big guy. You know, he's, he's not got the physicality of some of the other players we've got, but he threw himself into everything. He was jumping for every header. He was making jumping into every challenge as much as he could. He, I thought he was just, it was like what you said before, Darren. It, it was just the desire. It was the passion that he played with. I thought he was brilliant. Um, I've got a, I've got a small kind of bold prediction, I guess, but I feel like if he carries on like he has been over the last, you know, if he struggled with injuries, which it could is going to be the thing that might hold this up. But if he carries on developing as he has been, um, and if he's playing as good as he is in League One next year, then I think Holacek could be the next million pound player for us. There we go, bold claim. Yeah. Um, he went off on the 62nd minute. Um, I did some questions and answers for one of the Stockport podcasts on Wednesday morning. And he said, who would your crew player of the match be? And I thought, like, I genuinely got no idea. But if you pushed me, I'd probably put Holacek. Uh, it came from nowhere for me. And it's the thing that you mentioned right at the start of the answer, Aaron, the physicality. We all know he's good on the ball because, let's be honest, he's a crew academy player. And we've been told he's good on the ball. And crew coaches know what that means. So you sort of accept that they're going to be telling you the truth. But it's the... The way he got into the Stockport midfield, and he's really good at winning the ball from places he shouldn't be winning the ball. He did it again against Harrogate yesterday. Like the ball's in the air, he's about a foot shorter than the other player, and he's the one that's coming away with it. I just, I thought it was um, a real genuine coming of age performance for him. Like that's the one performance where we can say, right, we had Holacek the academy player, now we've got Holacek the first team player. I think that was the one, and I think he did follow up yesterday as well. Yeah, you're spot on. It was a coming-of-age performance from him, wasn't it? He, he's he been touted, hasn't he, for a long while. And I've, 
yet to see it, but that that's obviously the start of his journey, is it now proper? I mean, he was saying in the academy a few years ago, he's probably going to be the best player we've had there since Nick Powell, which is, you know, that's high praise, isn't it? And the club obviously saw that because he gave him, was it a was it five-year deal, something like that, at 18? So they obviously, you know, they, they kind of put the money where the mouth was in that. We don't normally give, you know, players that age that uh, that long contracts. So they, they clearly rate him and he was just waiting for it. Well, I compare it to Tabiner because when Tabiner first broke into the team, he found the physicality a little bit difficult, didn't he? And didn't sort of kind of hit the ground running. It took him perhaps half a season or so to get, you know, to probably build himself up physically to cope with it. And I think we're probably seeing the same with um, with Mattis now. Yeah, but it was he, he probably was, for me, probably the best player we had. But there was a lot of good players. It was a fantastic performance. It really was, to a man. Um, Darren, I guess that leaves you with uh, Luke Offord. Um, I wrote down on my notes, he marked Sarsevich out of the game and then Sarsevich got taken off. And then Paddy Madden dropped back into that role and he kept Paddy Madden completely quiet. All the while, whilst doing all the other stuff that you expect from a Luke Offord performance again. I know we've mentioned this every week since he started playing there, but he has been an absolute revelation in that centre midfield role, hasn't he? Oh, he has. And I think that's been one of the key ingredients of uh, what's happened with Crew since he moved into that position. And uh, when we say there's leaders all over the pitch, you just look at that little triangle, don't you, with uh, Mickey and Turns and, and Offord, and you, you, know, you, you could hardly be stronger at this level. Really like his temperament. I remember Lee Bell giving an interview a few weeks ago and in a throwaway remark, he said, uh, um, and Luke Offord sometimes even smiles. He's a very kind of down-to-earth, matter-of-fact, just-get-on-with-it kind of guy. And, and a little, you were talking earlier about the celebrations earlier, Stuart, which I entirely agree with in terms of um, showing the team spirit. But there was, after the third goal, Offer did join in the celebrations in front of the fans, but he was very quickly back in his own half. And he was just there pulling his socks up, ready to go. And Turns joined him very quickly as well. In other words, leading by example, that's that sort of captain. Not through shouting and hollering, but through leading by example. But also just very down to earth. OK, we've scored. That's great. Little celebration. Bring the team together. And then I'm back in position, ready to go again and get on with it. I can't speak highly enough for the guy in terms of temperament. And Turns is a little bit similar to that. Um, very, very... They love defending as well. You know, they they love keeping clean sheets and we're lucky to have offered, particularly sitting in front of those those two centre-backs. Yeah, I think that sort of what you just said, that reminds me a little bit of what Jack Powell said to us when we interviewed him on the podcast. You know, Mickey's the leader in terms of the shouting. Luke Offord's the leader in terms of this is the correct way to do it. Follow me. Um, I just think he's been superb. And I think I think we all know we are coming to the end of his career at Crew. He will be moving on this summer, I'm led to believe. Uh, but if he can put in performances like that from now until the end of the season, I think he's going to be leaving crew in a higher division than uh, than this season for certain. Um, right. OK, we'll move on again then. Um, I'm going to put all three of you on the spot. I'll give you a little bit of thinking time here. Aaron, I'm going to come to you first because I have texted you this question. Um, this was crew's best performance since finish that sentence. So, yeah, um, I've been I have been thinking about it and I'm I'm struggling because I think it's it's probably and I think a lot of it is because a lot of those games in the COVID year for one reason or another just haven't lived all that long in the memory. And then since then we've had two not great years. 
So and it feels like it's, it's almost certainly the best performance this year um, in terms of the opposition we've gone against, the fact that we are away from home as well. So I'm going to have to go back to promotion year and then it's whichever one then I can't really I can't really pick one out so that's a cop-out answer I know but I haven't really got one um, but it would go back at least to the the last promotion year I think for me so best performance since four years ago yeah yeah okay thanks Aaron uh Richard Darren have you had enough time to have a little think of an answer yeah I mean I just have to say short term really um I'd say Mansfield or Barrow this season because that result at Mansfield was you know I don't know whether the performance was as good because we were so comfortable against Stockport but the win at Barrow was very good this year because we gave Barrow a lesson that day they 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 really just couldn't lay a glove on us and Barrow is a difficult place to go um, so yeah, I'd be looking more short term. I'd say say Mansfield or Barrow this year. Um, just to sort of fill you in, Richard, that is the same answer Alex Sarani gave. He said Barrow three weeks ago, and I said I can see your logic. I would say this one was a lot better though, and I think in terms of how far back we have to go to beat that performance, I would say it is much further uh, back. But I appreciate the logic you've just come up with there. Nice um, to see him in good was... company with Alex, though, doesn't it? Perhaps the oh, alcohol's yeah. eroded that vine and Alex's memory cells. So that's Alex doesn't drink, up. does he? <laughs> I believe so. Um, Darren, have you got an answer for us? Uh, I'm struggling to think of a particular game. I think it goes back to the first season we had in, in League One in 2020-21, where, if you remember, there were some fantastic performances early on in that. Season. Do you remember that we lost actually? So it doesn't count really. But remember the game at Ipswich, where everybody was. We lost one nil, but the actual performance was absolutely fantastic. I think it was in autumn twenty twenty. So the fact we lost means it doesn't. It can't trump this one. Um, so, but but the, the fact that I'm struggling to think tells you how good a performance it was. Bizarrely, as you picked out a loss, you came up with the same answer that my brother did. Uh, which is odd. Um, if we were looking back to that 2021 season, I think the one that sticks in my brain, although I'm similar to Aaron, they all sort of meld into one, would either be the 3-0 win over, sorry, the 2-0 win over Milton Keynes, where we just dominated them all over the park and didn't let them touch the ball, or the second half of that Swindon 4-2 game. Uh, but it, it is going back a long time since we saw a crew performance this good. Um, I think the thing that stuck with me and I don't know whether you three were the same, were my Wednesday, I was sort of just wandering around in a giddy cloud. The whole day I was just on cloud nine just because of how well the football team had played the night before. Mm. Oh, definitely. I mean, I sort of start early. I'm a postman. I opt out of bed at quarter past five on Wednesday morning with a spring in my step. You can't always say that going to work. It was, yeah, it just has that feeling, doesn't it? You know, when you it's it's difficult to describe to somebody who isn't probably into football, but when your team wins, it just it just makes everything else just so much better. Yeah, I'm in agreement. I was uh, sat there at my desk on on Wednesday at work and trying not just just keeping the the same songs that we've been singing all the night before, just trying not to sing them out loud, basically. I definitely spent too much time on Twitter on Wednesday just because I kept seeing new videos, new angles, new things that I hadn't seen I wanted to watch or watch again. Um, I'm going to end, though, unfortunately, on a bit of a downer. 
uh darren there was some pretty i mean they they're bad there's no other word for it bad photos of the conditions that some crew fans had left some of the seats in the toilet in i'm going to be honest i just find it really ridiculous and stupid those are my two words to sum up that sort of thing yeah well yeah i mean i, I didn't see it myself but I, I, i've seen the photographs and obviously i don't don't like to see it and if that damage was caused by our supporters then that's not right it shouldn't happen and um I hope we put it right. You know, uh, I think we should. I'm sure. I'm sure the if if that is the case, the club will you know take responsibility and do the right thing. But no, it's not right. When you visit somewhere, you shouldn't leave it in that condition. If that is indeed what happened, I don't think it's even crew's choice if we're going to do the right thing or not. I think it is the away team's responsibility if the away team is damaged like that, uh, which makes sense. So, I mean, I don't, I'm not really, I don't want to be preachy. I don't want to come on and tell people what to do with their lives or how to do things that, you know, do that, live their lives. But I do wonder what's going through your mind when you're wrecking a seat or wrecking a toilet, knowing that the club that you're there to support is going to have to pay for this. Even if you take away from the fact that you just shouldn't be doing this as an adult anyway, um, there's consequences for these actions and it might not hit you, but it will hit the club that you're there to support. It just, I just, I don't really like seeing it. And I hope we don't see it again. So a nice positive then to end Richard. Um, I said before I left, I follow on because, you know, I was absolutely gutted that I wasn't there. Uh, I'm assuming you were the same, but um, Aaron, Darren, you were there. Pretty good celebrations on the full-time whistle. Yeah, um, yeah, I thought it was uh, brilliant. Really, it was you know all of the players came over. They they clapped all the call all of the traveling fans. Uh, it was nice to see Matches getting the the little fist bumps in. That um, I mean, he, I, he he plays with a smile on his face, doesn't he? But he had a, a huge grin on his face when he was doing that. So that was uh, it's always good to see. And like you say, everybody. I'm pretty sure everybody stayed behind and we were clapping the players as well. You know, it was, there was still songs going through. Um, it was just one of those great moments and great parts to be there for that. Yeah, likewise. It's interesting how, isn't it, Aaron, how Mattis has uh, taken on that role. It's been a little feature of this season because it started with Joel Tavener, I think, didn't it? Doing the, and of course, because he's been out for so long, we had Ryan Cooney take over, but because he's perhaps not not played as much, and I noticed actually, if you watch the the, the video back, um, Ryan Cooney is encouraging Holicek uh, to do it, and he sort of waves him forward. He takes his jacket off, and then he he goes through and does the. And I think that's a really nice a really nice touch, particularly for him at the moment, emerging into the team. And you can see the team spirit through that as well, can't you? So yeah, it was great. Yeah, Mattis must really get it to be honest, because he's he's eighteen. He's like the same age as my daughter Polly. She knows him, and. He must know all these young lads that are in the Gresty Road and a lot of them that are of the similar age watching it. So as a local lad, he must really get it. Do you know what I mean? Because he's obviously knocking around crew during the week, isn't he, as well? And probably, I would imagine, a lot of his friends are football, you know, Alex fans. So he must be really... So it's at the moment, it's, it's kind of a dream scenario for him. One thing about the celebrations I'd touch on... Um, Lewis Lee, he was there. They were all engaged in this team spirit. He's not, you know, he's he's probably not played as much football as he'd like, but he was still there jumping on somebody's shoulders um, and just really entering into the spirit of it all. And that, to me, epitomised, you know, this spirit that Lee Bell and uh, Ryan Dicker seem to have generated. They're all in it together. And I think, you know, that, that counts for an awful lot, that team spirit does. 
Especially yeah, going forward. Um, I think you're right there, Richard. I think if you watch the video, there's one person on the playing staff who isn't really getting involved. But given the fact he's just been there for a week, he hasn't actually played a single minute for the club yet. And he is my age. I can I can appreciate why he's just stood at the back clapping politely. Um, you know, that's fine. Leave that for the young lads like Lewis Lee and Matthias and you can stand at the back and, you know, take it all in. Enjoy the moment. Um, we'll move on, shall we, to Saturday, uh, Harrogate at home. Now, obviously, we were quite big news or a big news story on Tuesday night, beating top of the league away. Aaron, Harrogate were also making the news on Tuesday night. And I don't know if you feel the same, but that 9-2, you don't really want to be the team that's playing an informed team that have just been beat 9-2 because you know that they're, they're not rubbish because they're in form but they have just taken a batter in. Yeah, it's a bizarre one, really, because, you know, at the start of the week, you look at the fixtures we've got coming up. It was Stockport. We've got the team that are, like, the most informed in the league. And then we've got Notts County as well after that, who are, you know, similar position to us, or have been at least over the course of the season in terms of pushing for the playoffs and stuff. So you go, well, this is going to be a, a tough run. And then, like, that absolutely bizarre result comes through on, on Tuesday night of getting beaten 9-2. And you sort of go... I don't know what that means. I don't know what to take from that because they're clearly they're not that bad of a side, judged by the last you know games before that. Even if they're uh, even if they're against you know look at some of the teams that they were playing, it was Forest Green and Sutton and teams like that who were the bottom end of the table at least. But you know that they they are then like you say you don't want to be the next team up because they've now got something to prove. They've they're going to come at us and and you know try and or at least that's what you think anyway, going into the game that, that, that they want to then go out and, and prove that they're not the team that got beat nine two basically. And Richard, I think their manager, I mean, we, we named an unchanged side, but so did their manager. He put the same 11 out and it was almost the case of go out there and prove that Tuesday night was a mistaken and horrible error. Yeah. It was a wise move. Wasn't it? I'd seen, the little clips of Simon Weaver, their manager's interview after the Mansfield game. And he says, I've, I've, he says, yeah, it wasn't great and everything went wrong on the night. But he said, I've managed hundreds and hundreds of games. And he says, I can rationalise now that it was just a blip. Um, and to be fair, you know, it, it probably was because they won seven out of 10 matches, hadn't they? I think Harrogate and they were the form side. So you don't just suddenly become a bad side on the back of one result, do you? Um, and you know it was quite a canny move, really, to 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 pick the same team. Um, so yeah, that was probably the best idea. As it turned out, it was a good idea, wasn't it, Darren? After all of the the joy and the emotion of Tuesday night, the first half of Saturday's game. I mean, I don't know if you'd agree with this word that I'm going to use, but I thought it was dire. I genuinely thought it was there was nothing really going on. The the first note I've got written down is. Luke Offord went off injured in the 29th minute. Yeah, no, yes. Well, I tweeted at half-time saying it was one for the tacticians and it was like a bit of a chess match. And I think the difficulty was was what the what the guys were saying, that because Harrogate basically just wanted to get the show back on the road, didn't they? And after conceding nine on Tuesday, they just wanted everything to calm down. They were really solid. They've got a great away record. And because we didn't score early, it turned into a really, really dull first half. I would say I do think it was better than the Crawley one because the previous week because at least Harrogate um, until the last 10 minutes they weren't time wasting they were playing properly 
Um, so it was a proper match with both teams trying to play without the kind of uh, dark arts. But yeah, and uh, then it all went wrong with uh, with Offord, and that, that I don't know how serious a moment that's going to turn out to be. But it was quite close to where I was sitting, and he knew instantly um, that it was serious because when he was on the ground, he wagged his finger towards the bench, and he also um, punched the ground two or three times, sort of in despair because I think he thought it was serious. So it looked serious, but then after a bit of treatment, it looked like when he hobbled off, he was going to come back on. But then he quickly took his captain's armband off and handed it over, and it was obvious um, that he wasn't going to continue. And I saw Lee Bell afterwards saying it doesn't look good at the moment, and he's gone for a scan. But I am worried about that one. I hope I'm wrong. Um, but just from the player's reaction, it looked like quite a serious one. But obviously, we all hope it isn't. Yeah, I think best case, you can sort of look at that injury and the way he went down. Um, Aaron and hope it's sort of a twisted ankle or a rolled ankle and he'll be a couple of days off and with us having no Tuesday game he'll be back by Saturday but we are speaking before any scan results have come out or any news about that so there is a worry that this new cheat code that we've got with Luke Offord playing in centre midfield it might have just sort of not it might not be able to work again for a few weeks yeah, pretty much. Um, I mean, like like Darren just said, particularly when he went down, it's felt very reminiscent, obviously different part of the body because it was his ankle rather than his knee, but it felt very reminiscent of when Jack Powell sort of went down and he looked like he immediately knew it was something, although he, he said on the podcast he wasn't quite sure. But uh, but yeah, um, it, it seemed very reminiscent of that and I was despairing a little bit at that point because like you say, it's he's become... Uh, very integral to the way we play in that role that he's been playing. Um, and especially seeing as we know we've, we, Connor Thomas is still out a little bit. We, we maybe not quite sure who the replacement will be in that role um, for the time being anyway. But like you say, we, we are speaking before we know anything in particular. It could be a case of, yeah, he's just rolled it and it, it you don't want to, you don't want to aggravate it any, anymore in the moment, but it could be, he might miss the next game and then he'll be back before you know it. And that's, what I'm hoping for, basically, at this point. Yeah, I think he might be out for a while, Stu, because people putting on social media, he left the ground in on crutches in a protective boot. Now, whether that's only as protection, but Luke Offord strikes me as quite an odd character. So if he goes down and he's signalling to the bench he's injured, and, he, you know, it probably is something quite serious, I'd say. Yeah, there's the possibility Saturday's game against uh, Notts County, we could have offered Thomas and Tabiner all back in the squad, but there's a possibility we might not have any of those three in the squad. Um, Darren, you seem to have had quite a lot of chats with Connor Thomas this week. Uh, what's the latest on his injury? Well, I, when I see him, I take the opportunity. And he, he before the game yesterday, he came out and sat on the, the crew bench all on his own. So I went over to him and said, how's it going? And he seemed really disappointed not to be playing. And he, he was saying that um, he's he's ready. He could have played He could have played on Saturday, but there was kind of an abundance of caution. The physio left him out, probably because of how well crew we were playing. They haven't got a game in midweek, so it's another week. And he said, I'll probably be on the bench at Notts County. But I think he meant because crew were playing so well. And that was before the, um, the offered injury. Um, so... My prediction, based on what he's told me, unless anything else happens, is that he's ready to play. All right. Based on what you and Richard have just said then, I, if I was to make a prediction at this stage, Thomas in, offered out, Tabern as the wild card. I think we have to see how his uh, his week on the training pitch goes. Um, 
Richard, half time came. Um, I was struggling to stay awake. I woke up uh, to the fact that there was a couple of subs at half time. Charlie Kirk and Shiloh Tracy coming on for Aaron Rowe and Lewis Billington. I'd say Billington's possibly unlucky. Uh, and Aaron Rowe, I think I probably should have mentioned him at the Stockport game because I thought he was superb on Tuesday. But on Saturday, I thought he had a pretty, pretty poor 45 minutes, giving the ball away a lot. Just seemed to be off the pace. Yeah, it was. It's like he'd been out the night before. He'd been, he was, he was just, from the word go, he'd misplaced two or three passes. And Lee Bell was so frustrated with him. He was, you know, arms in the air, completely out of frustration. Um, and he was, he was, he didn't hardly do much right because he has been playing really, really well. Um, and as you say, he was he, another one of them on Tuesday night that played well. But yes, he was poor. And I think he'd have got taken off anyway. I mean, Bell said after it was tactical, but he he, he was poor. I mean, I will touch on when Offord went off. He made, they don't get it wrong very often, Lee Bell and Ryan Dicker, but bringing Rio back into midfield when they brought Cooney on, I thought that was a strange one. Because for me, Rio's never, every time he's played in midfield, central midfield this season, he's been poor for me. So I didn't think that was a particularly good move. And they obviously, they decided the same because obviously at half-time when they brought the subs on, they changed it again, didn't they? Yeah, that was something I picked up on. It felt like to me a little bit like bringing Cooney on was sort of one idea that they had, but and maybe then when they had half-time to sit and think about it a little bit more, that the, the changing system. And then, like you say, I think that's why Billington was a little bit unlucky because we had to sort of change the shape up a little bit and... In an ideal world, we'd have probably kept Billington on to play because it, it sort of then resembled more of a four four two in the second half, I think, um, which was a bit of a throwback. But I think in in a ideal world, we'd have kept Billington on there in that right back role and and sort of gone with that. But obviously, we've already made the change, and you're gonna you're gonna probably want to keep Cooney in that position rather than anybody else. I think there in that second half, Darren. You know, truth be told, we battered them in that second half but we battered them without really looking like we were going to score maybe at least for the first half of the second half um and it just I don't know if it felt the same to you guys in the stadium but to me it just felt like it was going to be one of those days where the best we were going to do is draw nil nil the worst we were going to do was concede in the 89th minute to lose yeah, one yeah that's a good point um yeah I agree, I agree. You're right, it did turn out that way. I was optimistic all the way through um, the second half because I thought the, the obviously the change of formation, we went, I'm not very good on formation, so correct me if you think I'm wrong, but we went to something that resembled like a, a 4-4-2. Um, we, we, you know, we, 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 um, and we had Kirk out, out wide and Tracy out wide on the other side and then Nevitt. And, and it, it, I thought we played really well in the second half, but you're right, there's something to be, discussed about why we struggle to break down teams, which we have done quite a few times at home that are playing like that. I don't know the reason why. Um, it is a difficult thing to do. And in some ways, it was such a different game to Stockport, which suits us better, you know, that high energy away from home. Whereas when you've got those teams sitting deep, trying to recover from conceding nine on Tuesday, it's very difficult. But we did have two fantastic chances, which I'm sure you'll come on to. But I think overall... Turned out to be really frustrating, but quite a good second half performance, but just without the goal. I think you've got to give Harrogate some credit as well, to be honest, because they they seem to have a system. They never altered it the entire game. It was like 
four at the back and then they had two shielding the back four, then three and then one up front on his own. Um, and then the three just dropped back into midfield. So you, you've got a big wall to get through. Um, and I thought they had a good go at it in the second half. But the chap from Harrogate who was on the podcast last week said, when um, you asked him, Stu, what's the strength? And he said the defence and the goalkeeper. And after Mansfield, he's thrown King Crikey. <laughs> but then he was spot on because yesterday I thought they defended so, so well. Um, and obviously the keepers, obviously he's, he's gotten the points, hasn't he, in the end? But we'll probably go on to that in a minute. Yeah, just before we do, I just want to go back to what um, Darren just said a, a couple of minutes ago about breaking teams down. And, you know, I, I've done enough of these now that I think people will hopefully realise that I don't like to criticise crew players if I can avoid it. But are we getting enough out of Baker Richardson and never at home? And I know that is a harsh question considering how many goals they've scored, but games like that, I just think that there needs to be more from them. You know, we, we're very solid at the back. I don't really think Harrogate looked like they were going to score. I think we did okay all over the pitch, but I just didn't see enough of those two wanting to take the game by the scruff of the neck and saying, I'm going to score the goal that was going to make us win today. Is that too harsh, Aaron? Um, no, I don't think it is. Um, I think particularly at the minute, it seems to me, I think Nevitt possibly needs a game or two out. Um, he, he looks a little like he's a little bit, I guess, tired, I guess is the word maybe. Um, and... He's not quite as just sharp. He's not quite as on it as a lot. And I guess maybe that's the the he's almost struggling a little bit now because it feels like we have to play the two of them because we haven't got Chris Long as well for the time being. Um, I feel like they're both perhaps struggling a little bit because of that injury. Um, CBR on the other hand, I guess it's a difficult one because I felt like it feels to me like for whatever reason because he's because he's a physical player. Um, that whenever we kind of pump those long balls up to him or anything like that, that that it, it looks to me like he's getting fouled every time. Um, and because he's not going down, because he's a strong player, because he wants to hold it up quite well, um, he never gets the free kick for it. Um, so he, he feels like he's a sort of victim of his own playing style a little bit there. Um, but it, it it does feel like it, we're kind of missing something a little bit with, with the two of them at the moment. Um now, I'm just not quite sure really what the answer is because we haven't got any other centre-forwards at the time being. No, I mean, I don't know what the other guys think. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a master tactician, but uh, by any means. Um, but it, but I think the way, to, I assume, the way to get around teams that are sitting deep like that is going wide. And it reminds me of going back to the, remember the obviously we all remember the, the 1920 with Pickering and, uh, and Kirk and with Kirk being on in the second half. It's that sort of wide play where you've got to get in behind and uh, we yeah we are we are struggling a little bit if you think back over the last few games you know Crawley uh Doncaster Springs to mind that was a poor second half etc those sort of games we are struggling a little bit in um to to sort of break it down so I'm, I'm sure that obviously they'll be thinking about this weren't they trying to figure it out but it was it was I mean Lee Bell was very positive about the second half performance and I felt the same before I heard his interview um, if 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 one of those chances had gone in, we'd be we'd be absolutely, you know, singing their praises, wouldn't we? Saying difficult game, got the goal in the end, um, and it's just fine margins meant it ended up nil nil rather than one nil. No, you are absolutely right. You know, if it, if it finished one nil to Crew, then we wouldn't be having this conversation. 
The reality is, though, we haven't had a striker score a goal in February yet. Uh, I, I appreciate it was only the 17th yesterday uh, when they played. So, uh, you know, got 10 ga- 12 days left. Um, but we would hope to have at least one goal by a striker in four games. And I, and I don't think there'd be many crew fans that would um, criticise their effort or will to win of Elliot Neville or CBR. I think they both give absolutely everything they've got every time they're on the pitch. I just, I don't know, maybe it's just that we, we just haven't got that that nuance, that skill required to break teams down. That uh, Let's be honest, they're coming to Gresty Road and setting up for a clean sheet. That's all they really want. They want to leave with a clean sheet. And if they've managed to score and nick a 1-0 win, great. If they haven't, 0-0, they'll take that back to, to Yorkshire and be happy with that. So it's up to us. We've got to be good enough now to break these teams down, I think. Yeah, and I think we are struggling a little bit. We're, we're sort of seeing the, I, th- I think Joe White papered over it a little bit when we had him, but we are struggling with the lack of Tabernet and Powell in particular. I think they could be a driving force from from midfield, those two, the way they play. Um, and we just haven't quite got that at the minute. Um, so, or like you say, I, I guess it's kind of the point we were, Darren was saying about going wide and things like that, which seems like it could work a little bit and it did seem to show a little bit in that last half an hour. Like you say, I think when, you know, it took a few minutes to get into it, but when Kirk was going, he looked very good, I thought, yesterday. So maybe that's the answer if if we're going to go forward, I think, with the with Kirk playing down the left and hopefully he can get some kind of link up with Rio that would remind us of four years ago. Richard, um, this is my assessment of Charlie Kirk. Tell me where I'm wrong. He is a player who looked like he had more skill and ability than anyone else on the pitch, but he also looked like he was a player in a new team that hadn't played much football. That's not groundbreaking analysis, I know, but that's exactly what I thought I saw from him yesterday. Yeah, yeah, you're right. He was. He, it was his best work. I haven't seen much of him, have we, really? He's had the odd 10, 15 minutes, but he had a good half an hour yesterday, didn't he? But he did look good and he did look like um, he, he could unlock defences, which we wanted. I mean, Aaron's quite right. We were dealt the double blow, weren't we, when we lost Powell and Tabiner, the two most creative players. But we are, they're the type of players you need to break these teams down because more and more teams now are going to come to the Alex and just sit deep and say, look, we're going to just keep a clean sheet. It's up to you to break us down. We're not bothered. We'll take a point and that'll do us. Um, so they're going to have to come up with something, aren't they? But I thought yesterday Charlie Kurt looked really good. And as I say, it wasn't for a fantastic save by the keeper at the end. It would have been, you know, good old Charlie getting one in the 90-odd minute again. And we've got three points. Yeah, there were, for all of me saying, you know, there wasn't enough going on, Aaron, there were three good chances, I think. There was uh, Baker Richardson that hit the post slash bar from the uh, the corner that came in. Uh, Shiloh Tracy had one where he beat his man and, you know, he was quite close in. The keeper pulled off a good save. And then that one, Kirk, it was essentially the last kick of the game. So we did have moments to win this game. Yeah, uh, I 100% agree. And it kind of comes back to, to like Darren said before, you know, if one of those goes in, it, we look at this game completely differently. Um, I'm still not quite sure how that CBR one didn't go in. I feel like we've said that probably three or four times in the last couple of months. And he really feels like a man who, almost like we were saying with, with Nevitt, the end of last year, he just feels like he just needs one of them to go in at the minute. Um, he's doing some of the right things and getting in the right positions for, for some of it, at least anyway. Um and then I thought Tracy had probably his, well, it was only a half a game, but he had a, one of his best games for the last few months as well. He, he looked like he 
had that confidence to take players on again. Like I say, he does beat his man for that chance, runs into the box. It's a, just a very good save again uh, that, that denies him from there. He had one as well that uh, I think he was marked by about two or three players. He's the only man we've got in the box. He manages to, I'm not quite sure how he managed it because there was uh, Harrogate players in the way, but he manages to sort of turn and, and the ball comes out to him and it's only for a last ditch challenge that manages to stop him. I, I, I'm sure he probably could have scored that one as well. Uh, so yeah, there, there was plenty of chances that it kind of felt like we were putting a lot of pressure on, particularly in that second half. And uh, and Harrogate, like you say, were, were shutting up shop effectively at that point. I think they they made a half decent fist of it in the first half, but by like you say, the last half an hour particularly, they were very happy to get out of there with a nil nil. Um, Richard, is there anyone you want to pick out as having a, a good game that we've not spoken about? I think I sort of went a bit early on Osterfield when I talked about the Stockport game, but. I think we covered that. He had a very good week in two games. Is there anyone else or should we move on? No, I mean, as I say, yeah, you were right. Osterfield, uh, Mattis, he played well again yesterday, didn't he, Olicek? Um, But other than that, no, it was, there, was, there, was, there wasn't too many. Nobody played particularly bad, did they, apart from Aaron Rowe, but there wasn't too many standouts, neither was there. So I would just say, I know we've, we've already probably done about 20 minutes on him already, but uh, I thought Mickey was fantastic. He was, he was in the box. He was in their box. He was in our box. It looked like every single time he, he would get his foot on a challenge. Um, again, I, I I could say it, but it's just rinse repeat from what we said before. But I thought he was fantastic. All right, I'm going to finish with a couple of uh, points uh, with the Harrogate game, and then I'm going to move on. Um, Aaron, you're not allowed to answer this because I've already told you the answer. So this is just for Darren and Richard. Uh, yesterday, Saturday, the 17th of Feb, Crew reached 58 points in League Two. When did they reach 58 points last season? What, the month? Or... <laughs> uh, well, yeah, month, day, game. 58 <laughs> points. I'll guess April. Darren? I'm going to say the last game of the season at Newport. You are correct. The The draw at Newport got us our 58th point of last season. Uh, we're there already. Um, just a small point. I think it just emphasises what a tremendous season we have had or having and what a tremendous job Lee Bell has done with this team and this squad. He has, but hey, tell you what, Stu, well, we're on points that the league table, it's 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 ridiculous, isn't it? We often say anybody can beat anybody in this league. Well, there's two points separate seventh and about 14th, you know, the last playoff spot. So any team, and even Crawley, who win the games in hand, as poor as they look last week, could be virtually on the verge of the playoffs. So that, you know, it's going to be a a really interesting end to the season because that's what the playoffs were designed for, wasn't it? To give everybody a chance so the season didn't end. But it's, yeah, I was looking at the league table this morning. It is so, so tight. That is my final point, Richard. I was going to ask the three of you, you know, um, we went to Stockport and we played Harrogate at home and we've ended the week in, with four points and we've ended it back in fourth after being third. Aaron, are you more of a glass half full we've got four points from Stockport at Harrogate or a glass half empty we've dropped out of the automatic places following Saturday's result um I'll, I'll say glass half full the 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 dropping out of the automatic places it kind of felt a little bit of a false position anyway when you look that that was it Wrexham behind us with like two games in hand and stuff it was always like enjoy it while it lasts I think was the the my stance on us being in third for that for those few days, but um, I still don't see any reason why we we still couldn't, you know, push on and 
you'd still grab that one of those automatic spots. But um, so yeah, I, I think you'd have you'd have definitely taken four points from those two games last Sunday. You know, when you sit there doing the podcast, so uh, I, I still maintain that it's it's frustrating because we did the hard bit first before you know before Saturday, but uh, overall that's what you you'd you'd have taken that and been happy with that. Just before I ask Darren the same question, just remind you that three nil prediction, Aaron. Um, Darren, would you agree with Aaron? Four points is glass half full rather than fourth place being glass half empty. I would. I agree with everything Aaron said. I think you're right. It's because of the way round it's happened. Right now, we're all a little bit disappointed, aren't we? Only because, we, you know, it would have been lovely to capitalise on what happened at Stockport with a win yesterday. It would have put us in third place on 60 points. Um, but, it, you know, looking at the big picture, um, it, it, at the moment, it's difficult with the league, isn't it? Because Aaron's just hinted at it. I'm looking at it now. And, uh, you know, with the other teams have got games in hand. I think by about the 5th of March, I was looking at the fixtures, it should even itself out a little bit when some of these teams catch up and we should get a more better picture of where we all are having played the same number of games. I would just say, though, I do think there's still a chance that we could get into the automatics. I think it's probably 70-30 against um, because, you know, the, the, those three teams are all having their own problems, aren't they? Stockport, Mansfield and Wrexham. And so I think it's in the balance. I, I am all aboard the automatic promotion train. I am all aboard it. I think that's where we're going to end up. Um, Richard, I'm going to ask you the same question to finish off this section. Happy with the week's work? Yes, yeah, definitely. I mean, crikey, if you'd have said this time last week you'd have taken four points from Stockport and Harrogate, a team in the playoffs and one of the forms, you know, one of the form teams of the league, you'd have definitely said yes, wouldn't you? So, yeah, for me, it's a no-brainer. Yes, a little bit frustrating, but Arrogate are no mugs, are they? So no, that's um, definitely four points. is 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 a good a good haul. All right. Uh, next, we're going to have a little look at the Notts County game coming up. But first, we'll hear from the women's team who were in Cheshire Cup action away at Macclesfield on Sunday. Matt, two 0 win. Next round of County Cup. How do you assess that one? Um, yeah, obviously it was an intense game. Fort Macclesfield brought it, uh, brought their A game, and they were really on us from start to finish. Um, but having said that, we played some good football. We, we dominated possession. Probably should have done a bit better in the final third to create a bit more openings. But I mean, we were worthy winners in the end. We just kind of said to the players at the end there that um, whilst it wasn't our best performance, we we, we really. We're really happy with the professionalism and the game management and the way we approached everything. There was a few difficult curveballs on the day with some of the decisions and, and, and whatnot, but I felt like we managed the situation really well. And, and in the cup, sometimes, well, all the time in the cup, results are more important than performances. Uh, as you said, you know, we, we know this team can play football, but I think we saw a different side to the team today. You know, a bit more of a. They battled well they, and they, you know, the game management was top. Is that something that you talked about in the week or is it just what you'd expect from this team? It's something that we, you know, we actively work on. I feel like sometimes we, we can be quite naive with some of the decisions we make and some of the time, some of the ways we manage games. So it's pleasing to see it's something we've tried working on for a long period of time now. You know, sometimes opponents can manage situations slightly better than others. They feel like we're a bit too nice and uh, a bit too passive, and with what you know what, what football people call the dark arts of football, sometimes getting the best out of a bad situation. But yeah, no, we did it really well today when the game needed slowing down and taking a sting out of it. We did when we needed to get at our opponents. We did. 
and uh, like I said, some of the decisions were, 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 were questionable. And but like the players were quite um, professional in, in uh, dealing with that and um, not putting themselves in in a position where the referee could do something about it. You know, we, we managed that situation quite well. And and the, the encouragement from the players on the pitch. You know, it was great seeing Shazza leave some of the younger girls because a lot of young girls out there that are you know experiencing the county cup for the first time and it can be quite intense because it's it's local areas you know mm. it's it's uh, leagues and whatnot go out of the window it's it's you know everyone's cup final and, and whatnot without being disrespectful or resorting to, to cliches uh, and i felt like we managed that well so that was, that was good katie gibbons at the start of the season brought her in as a wide player but she's actually found uh, more comfort in, in in the central areas of the pitch and she did another top performance there today is that something you talked about with katie yeah, it's something we spoke about a couple of times and she's she's big on it. You know, it's always a bit weird, really. When we, we spoke about it, it was almost like we were thinking the same thing ourselves. Um, we've not sort of put a, a, a sort of time frame on it. Is it something that's going to happen permanently or temporarily? We just feel like, you know, she's an influential player, both on and off the ball. And do we want her in wide areas where you can go periods without being on the ball? Or, and can she have a bigger impact centrally? And, you know, we all have our favourite positions. Ultimately, um, it's about finding people's best positions and, and, and right now, in this moment, for us, it's in the middle of the park. That could change, it might not. Her versatility is um, brilliant, so it gives us those options. But, um, you know, we have, a, we have a bit of a muscle at the club, you know. Uh, you know, you'll, when you get your chance, you earn your shirt and, and then you keep it. And, and she's done that, you know. She's, she's probably not surprised that she's playing in the middle of the park based on previous weeks. And another well-taken goal for Leah Collins today. Are you, are you hoping to see more of that from her? Yeah, you know, she's she's so talented and if she just believed in herself a little bit more, you know, she scored a great goal last week and she she can overcomplicate it by questioning herself. You can see it happening and she just really, you know, unleashes that what she's got in a locker, she'll cause people problems. The goal was very similar to last week, you know, she's got the fullback, she has to question and, and she's hit the target. Um, we don't want to overcook it and start saying, oh, should you go across the keeper, should you go near post, should you go... Ask the question of the keeper um, and, and see if she's got the answer and last week and today they didn't have the answer. Top man, thank you. Cheers, Ewan. All right, Aaron, just the one game this week, Saturday. We've had a fair few trickier ways so far in 2024. This one is not County, who, dare I say it, might not be such a tricky a proposition as it was a couple of months ago. Um, yeah, I mean, that's it's a don't want to tempt fate a little bit, but they, if we, we've just come against Harrogate, who are one of the form sides of the league, then Notts uh, County are, are probably one of the, the out-of-form sides, I think. They... Uh, Something like one win in five, one win in six, something like that. I think they're on at the minute. Um, they've they've just dropped out of the. They're in that that mire that Rich's on about with the the teams that are just outside the playoffs now, um, and they are. I'm sure, but I'm sure they're going to be very desperate to get one back over us after how the game ended at Grassy Road earlier on this season. Well, that was going to be my next question, Darren. A repeat of that nice, quiet one-nil win at Gresty Road wouldn't go amiss for Crew, hey? Absolutely, uh, I, absolutely right. And uh, there's there's lots of reasons for optimism. I just say a little bit cautious about overinterpreting what's happening at Notts County because, by all accounts, they played very well yesterday. Um, dominated the first half. Our old friend in goal for excellent, Arthur. Um, you know, a lot of people said he was man of the match just from his first half performance yesterday. They had a goal disallowed for handball, which was a bit controversial. And they won their previous game at Newport in midweek, which is the first win under their new manager, Stuart Maynard. But they are on a bad run. And I actually 
because they played on Friday night against Gillingham before the game against Crawley and I was travelling across. I stopped off and watched. So I went to Notts County. I saw them play Gillingham. And I, I tweeted at half-time that the, the, the mood there was a bit tense, um, and it was, and they ended up getting beaten by Gillingham. Um, Notts County are very good going forward are very poor defensively. There's been more goals in Notts County matches than any other team in League Two. Um, so they are very energetic uh, with a big crowd, but they can be got at. And their manager's been talking about them not defending the 18-yard box very well and all the rest of it. So I think it's going to, I think there's plenty of scope for us. It's more like the Stockport game than the Harrogate game. There'll be lots of opportunities for us to counter-attack and, and hopefully score two or three goals. Richard, it sounds to me there, from what Darren's just said, that we just want to basically do to them what Harrogate did to us, keep us quiet for the first bit and then hope that the crowd turns on them, uh, you know, and then grab that 1-0 win again. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, that home game, it should have been more than 1-0. I couldn't believe how bad Notts County were, especially at the back. They were dreadful. They played good football, but they were trying to play out for me. They were trying to play football from the back and they had like three cumbersome centre-halves that couldn't actually play the football. Um, And to me, they're all all about probably two or three players. They've got that Jody Jones, who's got more assists than most in that league and he puts a ball on the plate to um, Corley Langstaff who's, who scores for fun doesn't he and saw the highlights of the goals against Newport in midweek and that was two of them he put the ball to Langstaff and he put it in so if you, it's easier said than done but if you can cut the supply route from him and I'm sure Ed Turns will be able to mark Langstaff McGoldrick's decent up front as well but the rest of the team to me I think that they're not and they weren't great. I was quite disappointed when Notts County came to the Alex. I thought they'd be better than they were. And uh, so I, I thought, I said yesterday in the Raven before the game, I said this will be, Harrogate will be a harder game than Notts County because, you know, Harrogate obviously smarting after the defeat in midweek. And Notts County, as I say, they're all seem to be very attacky but poor at the back. And I, I think we'll reap the rewards. I'm, I'm very confident we'll win next Saturday. All right then, Richard. Score is going to be two one to crew. Darren, three one to crew. Aaron, I'm going to go with Darren. I think it's going to be three one. All right, a clean sweep, just what we like. Okay, uh, I spoke to the guys at Notts County Talk to see what was going on at Notts since that game in November. Hi, Thomas. Welcome back to the podcast. Cheers for having me on. Not a problem. Uh, first question, we should start with the game in November. Uh, it was a 1-0 win at Gresty Road for Crew. What were your thoughts? What were the thoughts of the Knots fans after that game? Um, I think that was sort of the start of the downfall. for not, I can't call it a downfall because of one point outside the playoffs. But compared to where we were at the start of the season up at the top, um, started really well. I think it's the start of us unravelling somewhat. Um, I think you did exactly what teams around that time were doing and hit us on the counter-attack. Our defence didn't have a clue what to do. Uh, I can't remember one of your strikers sort of played out on the right-hand side a bit, battered us basically. We couldn't get the ball off him. Uh, I thought we were really, really poor. I don't think the game was particularly good, but then obviously it was marred by what happened with the Knots fans Um sort of towards the end of the game, which I, I actually was stood in the stand thinking this could get abandoned if it carries on, uh, which obviously would have caused us massive issues um, as a club. But you nicked it. 
Um, probably deserved, I would say. Um, but Knott's fans, it was just a series of really unfortunate events from a Knott's perspective. Ref pulling up as we were on the break. Um, the penalty, which uh, very, very 50-50. I'd hate to see it given against us, but I would love to see it if it was a, a penalty for us. So, yeah, on the balance, I was I was pretty impressed with you guys, actually. You limited us to very few chances. You've just sort of said at the start of that answer, it was the start of the downfall or, you know, uh, or at least sort of turning form. Um, do you want to just explain that a little bit more? What's happened since November? So it's, it's a really difficult one because it, it, Luke Williams was in charge and in the National League, we were at games where I remember going to Wheelstone away and we were 4-0 up after about half an hour and won 6-1. And then the next game, I think Torquay came, we beat them 4-0 or like 3-0 at half time. And we'll bat teams and not fans were loving it, but there was always this air around we're giving a lot of chances away. And some of the, the teams in the National League were part-time and they would sort of put a, a sitter wide. Or I remember Altrium coming and hitting the bar because we two of our players slipped over and then we're three nil up within about ten minutes of that. And we very quickly got found out in League Two, um, playing that style. And it got to the point where I went to Colchester not long before we played you letting five goals, look where Colchester are now, five goals against Sutton. I mean, it, it was, it, we, were, we were slowly starting to unravel. And I think if you remember the Knotts game, I think you could probably have had two or three, you would say, from open play. Um, we did very well to only concede one against you. And it, yeah, it, since then, it's very, very, sl uh, it's like slowly started to just become, it, it became a bit of a joke, actually. Uh, and Luke Williams has gone to Swansea and massive respect to him because of what he did for us. But I've already seen a few Swansea fans saying what is going on with us defensively. So the unravelling came from pretty much wanting to outscore teams. So to talk about the manager then, you have had a new manager in, uh, Stuart Maynard. What's the perception of him from the Notts County fans? Uh, very difficult taking over from Luke Williams. Obviously, the guy that's pretty much a legend after one and a half seasons, which you don't normally get a lot of record points tallied, record goals scored, um, longest unbeaten one in the club's history. So it's never going to be easy. But he came into pretty much, I mean, most fans are on the same page as me. A few fans are still wanting us to just pick up and win games, which was never going to happen. And he pretty much inherited a bomb site, I think, is the best way I can put it. A defence that had no confidence. A defence that the fan base were tricked into thinking was absolutely dreadful. There was not one central defender, really, that that people thought was good enough. And Maynard's come in, and all of a sudden we concede one against Barrow, one against Mansfield, one against Newport, which was a penalty, <clears throat> and one yesterday. Gillingham, we conceded three, were poor. But I guarantee in those games we would have conceded two against Barrow, four against Mansfield, three against Newport. So I'm very impressed with him. He's given his defensive stability, which I think... From what you guys saw at your place earlier in the season, you'll definitely see a change in how we defend. And all of a sudden, those centre-backs we've got, I think they're good enough to stay for next season. All right, we'll just talk about some players then. Uh, looking at your goal scorers, there's a definite first place and then there's two underneath that and then there seems to be like the rest of the squad. Uh, Macaulay Langstaff being on 23, McGoldrick and Crowley 13 and 12 respectively. And then everyone else seems to be pitching in. But if you look at the assists, obviously Jody Jones is on 20 already, which is outrageous. Um, is it is it a simple case of stop Jody Jones, stop Notts County, or is that a bit reductive? 
Um, it certainly helps. I mean, Wrexham did it yesterday at the time of recording. We played Wrexham yesterday and uh, they just doubled up on him the whole game, um, which then allowed a lot of space for Dan Crowley, who's a fantastic player, scores lots of goals. And then you, you've you got the problem of you leave David McGoldrick free because you've doubled up and you leave sort of Macca free, who's now starting to play on the wing. It definitely helps to stop Jody because without a doubt, he is our, he is our talisman. And it's funny to say that because Mac has scored so many goals, but so many of Mac's goals have been assisted by by Jody. No, I think we've got a bit more to us than just him. Um, but the form he's in at the minute is electric. One of those players, uh, Charlie Colkett. I've been keeping my eye on him. He got eight minutes against Wrexham yesterday. Was uh, were you impressed enough to think there's a world beater there? Uh, as far as eight minutes go away at Wrexham. It was good. It was a good eight minutes. I was impressed. Uh, I went to the game with my dad. My dad saw it the same. Picked the ball up. Always wanted to get it forward. Um, I mean, it was very much end-to-end for those eight minutes. Um, it, really, it really was end-to-end. And then he tried to chase down um, Mendy. He was obviously very quick and looked like he was sort of running through treacle. Um, but I- I'm guessing he has had such a limited amount of football in the past few months that that was always going to happen. But who knows? I mean, he's got a, a strong midfield to try and break into with John Bostock and Scott Robertson, who's been really impressive since he got from Fleetwood. But yeah, I've, I've got hopes for him after those eight minutes. All right, Thomas, I'm going to ask you two questions and then I'll let you go. Where are Notts County going to finish this season and what is the score going to be on Saturday? Okay, Notts. I had no hopes for us about three or four weeks ago. I thought we were on a downward slide to finish in the... Banging mid table, I think we get in seventh. Um, yeah, I think we finish seventh. And on Saturday, I think we win 2 1. All right, Thomas, thank you so much for your time. Right, just to finish off this week then, uh, i just got the one thing really. It is last man standing. Saturday, we had a final, two people left. Unfortunately for them, they both crashed out, uh, which means we have a double rollover. Um, So everyone can get back involved. We've had just over £200 both times so far. Uh, So if anyone would have won last time, it would have been £437.50. Uh, which means I think this time we should be looking somewhere close to £650 if everybody enters, which is a pretty good uh, prize. Don't forget that is only half, the other half going to the women's team. If you do want to get involved and you haven't yet, I will just tell you to email uh, your pick to LMS at gmx.com. It will be in the podcast description. If you entered last time or the first time and then missed out the second time, it's the same process as before. Uh, email your pick, send your fiver over, and then you're in. Uh, and then make sure you keep picking winners until you are the last man standing. Um, Aaron, how have you got on in this competition so far? Uh, but one winning three three games, I think, for me. So uh, fell at the first hurdle, first time out, and then only made it one better the second. So I mean, that is better than me. I'm the fact I've only had two picks in two games suggests how well it's gone for me. Darren, how have you? How's your luck been? Yeah, I did enter, but I'm afraid I suffered the same fate that you did, Stuart. 
All right. Uh, so we're all equally as expert on this on this podcast talking about football. Richard, I guess if you haven't entered now, the third time when we're up to uh, about 600, 650 pounds, now's the time to enter for the first time and swoop in and win it all. Exactly. It's all in the timing, isn't it, Stu? All right. Uh, so, yeah, please do make sure you get your money in before Saturday. Let Tim have enough time to process it, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and hopefully we'll have a winner this time round. Um, I think that will do us for today. So I will say, Aaron, Darren and Richard, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank Thanks you. a lot. Thank you, as ever, for listening. We will be back next week. So until then, goodbye. Dang a dang dang for ding a dong ding. Blue moon.